Lay of the land. This is Trent Nelson. Welcome back. We are joined today by a great and lovely friend of ours, Heartland Housed Director Josh Sabo of the Heartland Continuum of Care, Sangamon County. Always a pleasure to speak with you, sir. Thank you for coming down and joining us today. Likewise, Trent. Excited to be here. Well, we couldn't we couldn't not have you because because anytime you open up the newspaper, go on WMAY.com, anytime you, you really read any source of publication concerning Springfield, Central Illinois, you hear often, read often about the homeless situation, the housing insecure situation, and invariably the Heartland Continuum of Care and Heartland House. So would you tell the community if they've only heard these names in passing what it's all about. What are you guys all about? What do you all do? And what is your mission as it concerns the homeless and housing insecure? Absolutely. So every community across the country is a part of a continuum of care. So in the state of Illinois, I actually can't remember the right number. It might be 20, I believe, in in the state. And they look very different. You know, one might be in a huge metropolitan area like Chicago. One might cover eight counties in, in southern Illinois. For our community, our continuum of care is focused on Sangamon County, and and our continuum of care has been in existence for over 20 years now, and it comprises of stakeholders, organizations, people that are interested in, in coming together to develop an effective system to address homelessness. In our community, uh, that evolved a little bit around 2019-2020. The Community Foundation for the Land of Lincoln and the City of Springfield and, you know, out of the Continuum of Care board said, you know, we we need some staff energy to help support this effort. And uh, that's when I got involved with the Heartland Continuum of Care. And since that time, there's been more evolution. Uh, We went through a strategic planning process there towards the maybe midpoint to end of the pandemic time, I suppose. And, and that really sort of set the stage for where we hope to to move as a community over the next five years. One part of that was to say, we, we really need a, a backbone to this effort. We need an organization that's going to provide stable leadership and stable support to all of our organizations and partners that are that are trying to address this complex social issue. And so that's where Heartland Housed was born. And Heartland Housed, it, it really is just that. It, it's an organization. Uh, we now have a team of, of three people, but through Heartland Housed, we support five positions in the community. And our, our whole role is to help pull together partners to develop effective solutions to homelessness and to work to grow resources. We could talk more about that, but that's, that's one of the significant gaps in our community. But ultimately, the end goal is to make the experience of homelessness in Sangamon County and Springfield rare, brief, and, and non-recurring. And we're looking at models where that's worked across the country, where communities have come together, collaborated, and developed a system that's compassionate and effective and, and helps provide community members with, with one of the most basic needs for survival, housing. And one of those examples is, is Rockford. Is, is, that, is that correct? Yeah, we talk about Rockford a, a lot. I mean, really, because they're, they're a community that's not, not that different than ours, right? I mean, population-wise, you know, economic dynamics in Rockford are, are not drastically different than Springfield. And and they are, uh, looking recently, they are, they are a part of 14 communities across the country that have reached what's called functional zero for uh, people who are chronically homeless, which means that they've developed a system that's effective enough to, to effectively stop people from becoming chronically homeless and provide them with the supportive services and housing resources they need to no longer experience homelessness. So it tells us that it's possible. 
And it's possible for a community like ours. And so, you know, we, we've connected with them. They are a part of this movement called Built for Zero. And there are now hundreds of communities across the country who have joined that Built for Zero movement. And the, the real the goal, if you look at our strategic plan, it's the same thing, to reach what's called functional zero for all populations, to create a system that's effective enough to support people who are experiencing homelessness, to end that homelessness within 30 days. And one of the exciting things for us is that the state of Illinois is on the same track. You know, within the last six months or so, the state has published their own strategic plan to address homelessness, which is really right in step with ours. And in addition to that, the state has brought new resources to communities across the state who are who are doing this work. And there's there's a lot of implications of that for us. One is new financial resources to the tune of about $1.2 million that we didn't expect that. But when the new state budget passed, uh, we got an allocation for rapid rehousing, permanent supportive housing, and shelter diversion, uh, which is going to help us to, to create housing opportunities for about 80 people um, over the course of this next fiscal year. But in addition to that, the state has has worked with other entities. One of those is built for zero. And so through the work that the state has done, we're getting the opportunity to access that built for zero movement the data dashboards, the technical support to really help our community move forward and and some of the the strategies we need in order to hit functional zero by 2028. That's incredible. Uh, This is Trent Nelson. I'm with Josh Sabo, uh, the executive director of Heartland House, part of the Heartland Continuum of Care. So happy to have you down here today, sir. Thank you so much. So how, beyond deeper than funding, Right, we understand what money can do. How does the continuum and all of its partners go about working towards functional zero, uh, work towards being built for zero, as it were? Absolutely. It, it really it can't happen without collaboration, and not just organizations that provide housing resources or emergency shelter, but the partnerships with you know mental health providers substance use treatment providers, working with the police department so that we're not over-policing homelessness or, you know, those types of dynamics. I mean, it really takes our organizations and our, really, our community to come together across all of these lines and say, what's happening, right? How, how can we provide a system, so to speak? And, you know, I know that's not always helpful language, but the reality is, you know, whether you're leaving a hospital or you're leaving an institutional setting or perhaps being released from jail, or whether you hit hard times, at the end of the day, you need to know where to go for help. And so in our community, in any community, I mean, all of these challenges are really complex and it can be really difficult to know where to where to go. And so this work of collaboration is really to bring as many organizations to the table in different ways, right? We, we organize through what we call task groups. So we have a a street outreach task group. And the goal there is for whether they're volunteers in the community or people involved in organizations, they're coming together and they're they're thinking about people they're working with in the community who are perhaps unsheltered um, or just going through a difficult time. And they'll, they'll talk through, okay, wh- what is that person asking for? What's the help that they need? And how do we help connect them to it? Really on a by-names basis. And, and that's really what we're sort of trying to replicate across the system, that, that everybody is known by name and that the movement of the system is to, to remove barriers and to provide support right where a person's at. And, you know, that, that requires a, a wide network of partners and it requires people to, to be on the same page in terms of what we're trying to accomplish. Uh, everything we're trying to do, the goal is for it to be housing focused. The only way to end homelessness is to provide housing opportunities, not just emergency shelter, right? So, so that's, that's really the movement and that's the direction that our partners are working in. But so those task groups, it's the same. We have an emergency shelter task group, right, where all of the emergency shelters come together and they're talking through situations. 
And the goal is the same, right? People are in our shelter, but we want them to have a housing opportunity and the support they need. So how do we do that? Same thing, we have now have a discharge planning task force. So people in the hospital setting or in, in organizations are coming together and saying, you know, this is a transition point that can be really problematic for people. How can we better make connections to make sure that folks don't fall through the cracks during this transition? Reentry council for people that are leaving the justice system. Just to give you an idea, so that's, that's kind of the, we're using those task groups to pull together collaborators and all of these different cross-system pockets and get everybody talking to the degree we can on a by-name basis, really problem-solving oriented. And that does a lot of things. It educates us about what the needs are out there. It educates us about where the cracks are in the system, where things are broken and they're not working. And and it creates space for creative problem-solving. What what can we do? All right, we know if we had a million dollars, we might be able to put together enough programs to solve this. We don't have that. So what can we do given where we are is really you know what those groups are doing in a, in a variety of different ways. And, and that is absolutely imperative work, the on-the-ground work, the not only the financial, how we pay for X or Y, but as you just noted, why we want to pay for X and Y. Right. Why, what must we do? I think that it's easier for people to to romanticize something or to come to a conclusion that suits them when they don't know all the facts. And we're also busy living life. We don't always know all the facts. So we appreciate that groups like yours and everyone that you work with is putting in that effort to find solutions. Simply put, sir, why should people care that other people don't have a place to live, may not have work, and may not know where their next meal is coming from? Why should they care how does it affect not only them, but all of us? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we all approach these social issues from all kinds of different angles. Right. But I, I think at the just the human level, I think about what I want for myself and what I want for my kids. And to the degree that I can, that's the way I try to look at my neighbors as well. And then for my seat, I try to have a broad view of my neighbor. You know, like this is my city. This is my community people that are here are my neighbors, right? So, I mean, that's that's my lens, you know, my approach. I know that maybe not everybody shares that, but when we're talking about issues of homelessness, you know, we're, we're talking about an issue where all kinds of stigma comes into the picture. Uh, we have all kinds of predisposed opinions about what a, what a person does or who a person is on the basis of their experiencing homelessness. And, you know, the reality is life can be tough, right? I mean, people, people go through things that can be incredibly difficult. We've all probably, if we think about our own lives, we can think about seasons in our lives that were just incredibly difficult. And I think for most of us, many of us, if we're lucky, what helped us get through those difficult times was some type of support system. Somebody who who jumped in and paid for that car repair, right? Or paid for that month of rent or those types of situations. And the reality is for a variety of reasons, not everybody has that support system. And then when you add on the complexities of life for some folks that start in their childhood, when you look at what's happening from, you know, statistically around adverse childhood experiences, the experience of trauma and how that impacts us through our whole lives, the reality is I, I have a moral imperative. I think we all should have a moral imperative to look at our neighbors, you know, not through a lens of judgment, but to say, you're here, you're my neighbor. You know, what can we do to help you to thrive and be a thriving part of this community? So I don't know if that gets at your question, but that, that's what drives me to do this work is that sense of 
just the the basic human dignity of every single person we encounter. And then when you get the opportunity to hear the stories of what folks have experienced, it really cuts through a lot of the stigma that, that we tend to hold on to. I remember sitting with a person in a focus group, a, a person who had experienced homelessness for over a decade. And he told me about the first time a street outreach worker came to him and said, hey, I, I want to get you into housing. And, and he thought, no way. And, you know, through that conversation, you know, the, he said, well, I'm, I'm an alcoholic. You know, I, the experience of homelessness drives me to wake up every single day and to say, how can I get drunk as quickly as possible to numb this pain? And um, that street outreach worker said, it doesn't matter. You know, the, the goal is to get you into housing and then the goal is to, to support you from there. So he, he told his story saying, I, I actually got lucky. I got into permanent supportive housing. I had an organization that paid my rent and then also case managers who met with me, talked with me. And he said, for the first few months, I still did the same thing. Every day I woke up and got drunk as quickly as I could. But over time, in that context of safe and stable housing with the support I needed, I was able to, to get to a different place in life. You know, And I think that, to me, when I think about the work of the continuum, that's the goal. Every single person's needs are different, likely very complex. But we're talking about our community members. And we're talking about, you know, you can think about it from, from different lenses, from the standpoint of, there's a moral imperative to do this work. You could also say as taxpayers, we're supporting emergency shelters. We're supporting ambulance response and police response and emergency room visits. All of these things are, every data point tells us that for people experiencing homelessness, they're utilizing more of these services in many cases. And oftentimes it's taxpayers that are paying for that. And the cost to, put it roughly, the cost to keep a person homeless, right, to to just provide them with shelter can be upwards of $40,000 a year. As we kind of put together budgets and look towards what it takes to house a person and then to support them with case management, you know, that range is somewhere from thirteen dollars to $16,000 a year. So it makes sense on a fiscal level for our community, but it improves community health. We're talking about adding more people to the workforce. We're talking about taking people who are dealing with really, really complex issues and helping them to, to stabilize and thrive as people. Right. And, and of course, that the fraction of the cost does not even take into account what they are now contributing, being able to do so in an effective and reciprocal manner. So it is absolutely food for thought. And, and we thank you here at Executive Director Josh Sabo of the Heartland House. We're so appreciative that you came down to speak with us today. And we look forward to catching up with you again soon for some updates as per what Heartland House is getting up to and, and how this social crisis is being remedied. It's easy to expect things to change immediately, but we know that things never get to the place they are immediately, nor do they leave that place. So again, we thank you so much, sir. Thanks for having me, Trent. Lay the land, Trent Nelson. Thanks for listening.